This podcast is brought to you by MercSec, the specialists in security, search, and recruitment solutions. Visit MercSec.com to connect today. Welcome to Destination Cyber, the podcast where we sit down with cyber industry leaders and movers and shakers and find out what makes them tick. We explore their careers, the mistakes they made, trials and tribulations, lessons learnt, and the invaluable insights and knowledge they've picked up along the way. Now here's your host, Lachlan Korn. Welcome to Destination Cyber. This series aims to explore the career pathways of leading cybersecurity professionals to help young adults, students, and recent graduates on a potential pathway forward into the cybersecurity industry. Today, I will be talking with Nicholas DeSillis. Nicholas currently works as a growth and retention manager at Palo Alto Networks. Before this, Nicholas was heavily involved within weapon technology for both private industries such as Raytheon and public industries working in the Royal Australian Navy. We will unpack these unique positions and uncover Nicholas's tips for these specific positions within the security industry. I'm your host, Lachlan Korn, and this is Destination Cyber. Hello, Nick. How are you going? I'm good, Lachlan. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm not too bad. Thank you for coming on. I mean, there's a lot already said from based on that intro, and gosh, there's a lot to unpack. So first, maybe just give me a bit of a brief overview of what you are currently and what you're doing now. Sure. So yeah, as you mentioned, currently working for Palo Alto Networks, which is the largest cybersecurity company in the world based out of San Francisco, California. So I look after the retention and growth team for Palo Alto Networks. So basically responsible for ensuring our customers stay with us and taking advantage of using our amazing technologies. So Palo Alto Networks, global company, global cybersecurity leader. And we've got a fascinating team that um, yeah, covers across anyway from commercial to enterprise across ANZ. Okay, interesting. And what does Palo do on its sort of its general, what's its mission? What's Palo's mission? By the book, our mission is to ensure that each day is uh, more secure than the day before. We're very much known for being um, a firewall company. Um, you know, one of the best firewall companies out there, a leader in its space. In the last couple of years, we've acquired some best-in-breed technologies ingested into our platform. So we're doing stuff around cloud security, endpoint security, um, and SOC automation. So it's a fantastic place to be um, doing everything in the cybersecurity space. Mm, interesting. And then now sort of winding back the clock a little bit, going back into the to the young days of Nicholas, um, can you tell me what sort of got you into this field of cybersecurity? Yeah, so my journey began, uh, as you mentioned, in the Navy. Um, so I've always been fascinated by technology and I guess doing something different is probably the best way to, to word that. So, you know, did my time in the Navy. Uh, I, I did stuff in network, uh, I guess, IT and security um, in my time uh, within, the, within the Navy. I left, I was in, as you mentioned, private sector, not actually working in communications and, and networking, but more so the, the weapons and uh, radar space. Uh, but I was, always had this thing for, for cybersecurity. I always, I'd heard the word, I, I didn't know too much about it. I knew about you know, firewalls at a very high level. Uh, so I started going to different meetups, different events, started networking with people, finding out more and more what it meant to actually work in cybersecurity. Like what, that's a very broad topic, right? I always had, I guess, a thing for sales, you know, networking, meeting people, that sort of thing. So the more I got into it, it was, it was something that I said, I want to be a part of that. Um, you know, it's definitely the future. It's, you know, there's a lot of eyes on it. You mentioned cybersecurity to anyone now, everyone, you know, sort of, know, even my mother knows what it is, right? So um, it's an interesting space. So I guess just a bit of a, I guess, curiosity, and um, also that um, fascination with, you know, the whole technology space. And you mentioned that you did some sort of, uh, you did some networking and you, you heard the word cybersecurity and you sort of were like, oh, okay, let me explore a bit more about that. What were your 
initial impressions and what was your um, reaction to actually sort of uncovering more about what cybersecurity actually involves? Yeah, so, you know, it's so broad and, you know, there's so many, you know, different companies that are doing different things and, you know, cybersecurity can mean so much different stuff to different people, right? So my, initially I started using LinkedIn. I think, you know, just for anyone listening, I think LinkedIn's a powerful tool. I started connecting with, you know, maybe second and third connections, friends of friends, et cetera, reaching out saying, you know, hey, this is who I am. I see you're connected with X. I'm very interested in, you know, in pursuing a career in cyber. What does that actually mean? So met up with a few, um, you know, leaders in that space who were able to give me some great insights. I started going to different events, um, you know, g- generic events where they talk about, you know, different trends and, you know, what's happening in the space that kind of um, gave me a broad understanding of what it actually meant to be in cybersecurity that helped shape, I guess, my, my headspace around it. Um, and, you know, what I started to see was that, you know, every day, uh, you know, organizations are starting to take cybersecurity more serious, which, which is a great thing because um, it is a very relevant piece, um, you know, in the world that we're living in today, especially with, with COVID and remote working. So I guess my, my take on it is that it's a very relevant field. It's not going anywhere. Um, and, and the great thing about it is that it's starting to get, you know, the technology in that space and the investment that's going in there. It's, it's an exciting place to actually work and be part of. Mm, definitely. And were you feeling at all overwhelmed by the prospect of having going into such a broad f- field, having this almost choice paralysis of what you wanted to do and how you wanted to explore the pathway? Yeah, I, I think there were, you know, there's obviously there's a lot of options. You know, a lot. I think a lot of people, first and foremost, when I say to people I work in cybersecurity, they automatically, you know, think I wear a hoodie and can, you know, code all, code all night, which is definitely not the case, just to set the record straight. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it, was, it was interesting to actually see, you know, what kind of roles are available. You know, there's, there is the coding, there is the engineering, but there's also roles, you know, in sales, in customer success, in marketing, in HR, you know, so you're still involved in the space, which are without directly, you know, coding in a cybersecurity world. So, I mean, in my role in sales, um, I mean, even when I told, I mentioned before when I told my mom, she's like, oh, you know, what does that even mean? Like, what are you selling? And it's, you know, it's, you're actually talk, working with customers, trying to help them on their day-to-day day mission of securing their organization. You know, it's a technical, it's a technical conversation. It's a journey. It's a long-term, you know, you're, you're actually helping them. It's, it's not an overnight thing, right? So it's, I, I actually find it very interesting that you can actually sit down with the customer and work with them on, on what they're trying to achieve. Okay. And in terms of then sort of Palo and its network, I mean, why do you think that Palo is an important um, structure role in, in society today? Why, why do you think it's needed? Obviously, I'm a bit biased, but I think, you know, I work for an amazing place, um, you know, not just from a technology point, but even just from a culture. So um, anyone, anyone looking to get in the cyber world, you know, please do consider Palo Alto Networks. But I think, you know, um, from, from the company, from where it's come from, um, you know, as I said, we are a leader in the in the in the firewall space, uh, and as we've evolved, and so has the world evolved, we've 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 continued to invest and uh, be leaders in where, whatever technology we're looking at doing. I think you know, there's a lot of good competitors out there. So you know, when it comes to the broader lens of of cybersecurity, everyone's in it together. Uh, you know, even though you know, from a company point of view, we have competitors. I think even from a personal point of view, we all have our data stored with various you know different companies, no matter what we're doing, and. You know, it's it's everyone's responsibility to look out for each other. So it's not you know us against them or them against us. It's it's you know how do we share data? How do we how do we how do we fight the bad guys essentially as a team, um, so we can be in a better place in the future? Because you know, what last thing that we need is a you know is, a, is cyber warfare is to you know infrastructure to be shut down. And you know, I think that that would actually affect everyone um, if it got to that point. Definitely, definitely. I mean, you, you mentioned you mentioned firewalls and like the leader of the firewall space. What do you find is the most common place issue that 
Palo has to face on a, on a day-to-day basis with their customer base? Is it the hacking or is it, is it something a bit more specific or... Um, I think, like you know, you know, broadly speaking, when it comes to cybersecurity, and I mentioned before the whole you know shift with COVID, everyone used to go to the office, plug their computer into the into the network, and work from there. And now the fact of the matter is, everyone's working from home. People are connecting on different devices. People are working from anywhere, right? Um, and it's and it's great that we have that flexibility, which I think is one of the benefits of you know of the pandemic. But you know that creates its own problems. You know, as I mentioned, there's so many different devices on the network. There's data everywhere. No one knows where things are. How how are we configuring things? Where's our policy set? Are we, you know, uh, uniformed across everything that we're trying to secure? And it becomes complex. You know, there's these small IT teams that are potentially they're working from home as well. And how are they managing their their workers? How are, how are they securing everything? So I think the complexity is a big part of what we aim to solve at a high level. And I think that's that's what organisations looking to do. You know, reduce their risks in the most cost effective and simplest way. Now, sort of bringing you back to then your experiences younger in, in the Navy. Um, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but um, can you can you give me a bit of a a sort of recall on what that experience was like? I mean, you were in the Navy for almost ten years. I mean, what what kind what kind of lessons did you learn that you could take into your um, work now? Sure. So I think you know the Navy was amazing. Traveled the world. Uh, you know, met a great bunch of people. Uh, you know, friends for life sort of thing. But I think what that, um, you know, from the Navy, you're always taught to, you know, mission first, you know, work with your team, always be resilient. So, and I think, you know, you can take that to any workplace, no matter what you're doing. Um, it's always, you know, putting putting your customers first and always sticking together as a team. So me coming into into the cyber world, whilst I didn't, you know, know much about cybersecurity, whilst I didn't, as I said, didn't know how to code, what I did come in with was that, you know, that focus with that motivation to learn and work with my team. And that's something that I continue to do on, a, on a, I guess, on a daily basis. So. Okay, and why did you preference um, the Navy over university to start off with? I mean, that's that is a very unique standpoint, and not generally what is considered mainstream or current mainstream choices. And then a second part to that question would be why the Navy, out of all the other options within the the military, I mean, th- those those love to if you could um touch on those two things. Sure. So I'm not really the outdoorsy person. So when I was looking at it, I was like, I'm not going to go in the army and you know go in a tent. Uh, the Air Force, uh, a lot of the bases are in the middle of nowhere, and I thought you know the Navy was the next best thing. It's you know all the bases are in cool cities, and you get to travel the world. So that's why I chose the Navy of all the other services, and it was um you know very happy with my decision. Three hot meals a day you get a bed all that sort of thing um and why i why i went to the navy after school um look i i enjoyed going to school you know lots of good friends i enjoyed i was probably more on the sporting side than the academic side so when it came to finishing school i said you know what i don't think i can go and study for another three four years after doing all this you know um you know supposed study over the last few years at school so i was again i was looking at you know something to do different something I can get involved in, I could say, you know, that's cool. I was looking at the trade side and then, you know, I came across, uh, you know, Defence Force recruiting. I saw the types of equipment you're going to work on, the technology and all the travel and all that sort of stuff. So I said, you know what, go for it, give it a go, do something different. And then, you know, at the time I said, I'll do it, you know, four to six years. And, um, you know, as you said, almost 10 years later, it was uh, time to call it quits. (laughs) And what was the position that you um, trained for within the Navy? Was there a specific criteria or was it general first, then you choose? So I joined as an electronics technician, um, so which meant I was able to get my trade in the Navy. Um, so I went down to Melbourne, uh, you do basically, um, you know, you basically do a year of TAFE if you, if you like, and all your academic stuff up front. And then you basically go to sea after that to do your on, on the field training. So I chose to specialize in communication and um, IT systems at the start. And later on in my career, I switched to more the, um, the sensor weapon side. So 
a bit of a change, which is great that you got that flexibility um, and gave me the opportunity to travel the world and, you know, work on a broad range of equipment over my time. Mm, and But now you're studying, um, I believe um, you've been studying later on in life, at, is that correct? I just finished. Um, so yeah, I, I was studying at the University of New South Wales. I did my MBA. Um, so wasn't expecting ever to go to uni after I never went straight from school. But, you know, obviously priorities change and, um, you know, coming into the, you know, I guess more the corporate world, I wanted to learn more about the whole business side. Uh, the MBA um, gave me the opportunity to not only network with, you know, a lot of people in, in the industry and in, in various, um, you know, organisations. It gives you that, I guess for me, it gave me that broad sense of opportunity to, to study things such as marketing and HR and, um, you know, accounting, stuff that I wasn't really exposed to in the military. I wouldn't say I'm an expert in those fields, but it's given me a good high-level understanding that I can take into my workplace now working, I guess, in a corporate organization. And would you recommend this this pathway? I mean, again, it's a very it's a very cool, and, and I'm guessing it would resonate with a lot of um, audience who also may struggle to be motivated to go straight from a school experience to another university experience and so forth. I mean, would you, would you recommend a pathway to this, or is it more specifically oriented for people who want to get into, say, a security industry or an, or an IT or a systems? but not the average average degree yeah I, I definitely say there's no one size that fits all um you know I'm, I'm you know thankfully and grateful that it worked out for myself um you know if you asked me 10 years ago I, I would not have told you that I'd be in cybersecurity. I probably would have said I'm you know I'll be in the navy for the next you know 20 30 years right mm. so I think you know you can obviously go down the path of studying you know your computer science your engineering style degrees and you know you're most likely going to get a job in the field um you know with with me I, I went down a, a different path and you know kind of you know, worked it out as I went along. As I said, I, it's not as if I didn't like tech. It's not as if I didn't like that space. I've always had an interest in it, in computers and all that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say that, you know, my, the biggest thing is, you know, go with your heart, do what you want to do. and But whatever you do, you know, do it to the best of your ability. You know, put the time in, put the effort in, actually, you know, maximize your time, whatever whatever you're doing. Because um, I think that's that's the key. You know, if, wherever you go, if you, if you can say, you know, I don't have experience in this field, but when I was doing X or, or Y, you know, these are my achievements. This is why I succeeded. This is what I did. Um, and it, as I said, you can take that to any organization or any any job and, you know, put that effort in there and, and learn something and, and um, enjoy it. And what did you sort of, um, I would say, you take out of the Navy and how that experience changed a lot when you went to the private sector? Was there was there similar attributes between the two in terms of just your basic qualities of the job or was it completely, completely different? There was no, no relation to whatsoever and... Yeah, look, it, it was it was a change. Um, you know, obviously the military, you know, has has its own, um, you know, the uniqueness around it. You know, I think uh, some of the, you know, the camaraderie that you build in the military with your friends, you know, you might go on away on a six-month deployment and you're eating, you're working, you're sleeping with that same bunch of crew, you know, the whole, the whole time, right? So I remember joining Palo Alto Networks, um, you know, and sitting in the office in front of my computer at my desk and thinking, you know, what have I done? Um, you know, but thankfully, you know, again, where I work, I'm lucky, you know, great place to be, you know, we have, it's an, it's an amazing place to work. So I definitely feel that sense of camaraderie, but yeah, definitely at the start, it, it was hard because I had to, you know, make new friends. I had to learn a new industry. I had to, everything that I learned was basically, uh, you know, to an extent, the technology side was, you know, I wasn't dealing with radar systems now <laughs> it was, it was irrelevant, but, um, you know, what was relevant as, as I mentioned before was I was determined to succeed. I was determined to, to make a difference in the space. 
um, you know, whatever whatever my company Palo Alto Networks was giving me to learn, I was you know taking it in my own initiative again to to read read up on latest trends, to watch YouTube videos, to continue to go to these networking events, to stay up to date and learn about what's happening in the industry. So I was I was all in from the start, and I was committed to actually. To, to learning about cybersecurity, and I, and I still do today. I take the time to to read articles and watch videos, and because it's you know things change by the day. Um, it, it, you know, I'd argue even quicker than that, but you, you have to stay up to date and be committed to what you're actually involved in. And now that you're planning to sort of do a, was it you're doing a master's in Georgetown? Is that correct? I actually just won a scholarship through the um, American Australian Association, so I won a uh, graduate. Uh, scholarship for veterans. Um, so I was just in Washington DC, and Georgetown University is something that I is somewhere where I am looking to study, um, take advantage of that scholarship. So they do have a leadership course there. And again, just going back to that, always continuing to learn, continuing to better yourself, because um, you know you can apply that to no matter where you are. So hopefully, uh, being Georgetown in the next you know twelve to eighteen months and doing that course. And what makes you want to to study? What reinvigorated you to go back and study after all the years of of having? both the Navy training and then, you know, private industry work. I mean, what encouraged you to decide, okay, I want to go back and now study at a university? You know, when you're younger, you have the, you know, I know, I know everything sort of attitude. And as I, as I sort of got older, it's, you, you realize how, how little you know. Um, you know, so and I, and I think, you know, as you progress in life, it's all about, you know, it's, you know, a big part of that's obviously life experience. But you've got to be open to new things. And so for me, you know, studying is not, you know, you can't just go study a course and, and as, as I said, become an expert or, but, you know, if you can open your eyes up to new things, if you can learn one thing and you can apply it somewhere else, you know, that to me, that's that's what I strive for. It's always, you know, better myself each day. I try and learn something new every day. Do I have to go study a master's and do I have to go to Washington DC to do that? No. Um, having said that, because I did win the scholarship, I'll definitely take advantage of that. Your journey's obviously been very unique, and in terms of with that unique journey, there becomes some quite different life experiences. And in terms of those life experiences, were there any sort of notable lessons you learned, whether through your own personal mistakes or or through a different reflective sort of area? What would be a good lesson that you say learned in life that you could would give to a younger university student or non-university student, like high school person? I think it comes down to doing what you want to do. Like, as I said, there's no set path to, to doing anything. I mean, you could argue, you know, if you want to be a pilot, you've got to go, <laughs> you've got to go study to be a pilot, right? But, you know, in, in general, like I, the way I, I guess, got by was, you know, being open-minded and trying new things. You know, when everyone said, you have to go to uni, I didn't go to uni, I joined the Navy. When everyone said, oh, you shouldn't leave the Navy, you've been doing it for 10 years. I knew personally that I wanted to try something different. I knew I was ready to do that. Um, in fact, it was probably a few years before I left the Navy, I was considering leaving and I was, you know, umming and ahhing about it. I was going to leave. I wasn't. And, you know, right or wrong, maybe, you know, sometimes I think, I think maybe I should have left then. But, you know, it turned out to be right that I stayed and I ended up going to university and, you know, getting more life experience. And I actually ended up, ended up living in, in the States for a bit um, through through the Navy towards the back end of my career and moving to Adelaide, which I wouldn't have done if I'd left, you know, a few years earlier. So, I, you know, even things like that, it came, it happened, and I, and I took advantage of it and, and made the decision when I was ready. So I think for anyone, be open-minded about things and, and go for it. You only get one opportunity. And you know what, if it doesn't work out, there's always another day. You know, and always, you know, whatever you learned from that, whatever you did, take the learnings from that and apply it to your, to your next, you know, mission or role or, or study, whatever it is. And Nicholas, is there anything that you do regret doing based on your, your life choices? Was there anything that you wish you would have done or decided to take an action earlier or do a different direction or, you know, anything like that? Is there anything that you learned a lot 
of those kind of things? I don't really have any regrets. Um, obviously, as I said, there was that one before I said, should I have left early, should I have not, which is something that I, I guess think about, but I don't I don't regret it. Um, as I said, that, that was the decision I made at the time. Um, I've probably got bigger regrets from doing stuff in my, you know, going out with drinks with friends as an example. So, but in terms of career-wise, I'm, you know, very happy where I am. I never thought I'd ever join the Navy when I was at school. I never thought I'd be in cybersecurity when I was in the Navy. And, you know, in 10 years time, I don't even know where I'm going to be if I'm going to be in cybersecurity. As I said, do love it. You know, absolutely don't see myself leaving, but that's what I said about the Navy uh, 10 years, you know, 10 years prior, right? So, do you think it's easy though to sort of change industries like that? When you're saying, you know, when you make um, that the comment about, oh, I might not know if I'm going to be in cybersecurity industry. How do you, how would you feel comfortable about changing into another industry where you might find yourself starting back from a, a lower step or, you know, feeling comfortable leaving an industry and then worry about not being able to get back into it? I mean, do any of those things cross your mind? It's it's definitely hard. And, you know, leaving the Navy was, was one of the hardest things I ever have done I think so yeah not going to lie about that you know I as you said I had to you know I had my rank I had my my tenure I had my IP around what I'd learned everything that I'd trained for from when I finished school uh, you know I was taking it I wasn't going to take that outside of the navy with me to 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 my company right so it's absolutely hard and me saying that I might not be in cybersecurity in in 10 years I'm not I'm not thinking about leaving but as I said when I was in the navy at that 10 year mark something inside me felt you know that I wanted to do something different I knew at that point I was ready to leave I wanted a new challenge um, I wasn't leaving because I was angry I wasn't leaving because I was sad it's just that at that point in my life I felt it was the right thing to do I had a few personal reasons you know I was getting married or time to have a child so that 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 definitely played a bit of a bit of a role in it but um as I said that interest in cybersecurity, that something in, in inside me that wanted to you know work in another you know space in the technology sector was a driving factor for me um, you know maybe in 10 years time there's going to be something something invented that we don't even know about yet that's the next big thing and that that excites me to go do it so it's hard but um as i said i was committed to it i knew that i was gonna you know drop my pay drop everything that i learned um but i said you know what i'm gonna go to, i'm gonna go to this company and i'm gonna learn i'm gonna put the effort in and i'm gonna succeed and i think that's the mindset that you need to have i know that money is always considered a very important to a lot of people but do do you personally think that by chasing money that could actually be a bit of a detriment or do you think you should be chasing the knowledge or is it a mixture of both honestly i mean you know people have different opinions yeah i i think 100 percent um you know it's not it's not just about the money um you know a lot of you know i know people that you know constantly looking at jobs because you know this place pays 20 grand more and that place pays 20 grand more but you know then they go to these places and they're not happy and you know first first and foremost i think when it comes down to the culture of a company if you're happy you know speak to your boss before before you leave right but it comes down to what you believe in um how comfortable you are um you know what kind of you know when it comes to you know roles and what perks are you getting at your job as well right so um, i think you know you should be aligned with what your company's doing if you're you know totally against it it's probably not the right place for you so yeah 100% uh, you know obviously money is a big thing um you know you got you got to live you got to you know live up to to the lifestyle that you are uh, but it definitely is a balance and i and i and when i speak to friends that are thinking of leaving their current roles i always say to them if you leave for more money and you don't like it then what <laughs> So, um, you know, it's always good to find out and speak to people at, at those companies wherever you're going as to, you know, what it's like to be there. Definitely. Okay, interesting. And do you think that there is a huge contrast between the culture in a public industry versus a private industry? or is Look, it's different. Um, obviously, you know, the military is, you know, very, you know, very structured, you know, all, all about rank and, you know, for the right reasons in, in wartime, you, you need to have that, you know, that hierarchy. So I do find it a bit more 
I guess, um, relaxed in, in where I am at right now. It's, you've got to, you can, I guess, venture outside the box a bit more. Um, having said that, I haven't worked for really any other public organization outside the military. So I can't, I can't answer that question, but you know, I guess it depends on what you're, what you're looking for. I, I wanted a bit of structure. I was happy with, you know, the whole rank thing in the Navy, but then at that, when I, when I left, I said, you know, I want to go to a company that I can, you know, go off and do my own thing. And, you know, thankfully I worked in that place where, you know, there's so much, there's so much to do. So when you get involved in something, it's like, yeah, sure, go for it. You can, um, you can lead that project or you can become in part of that sort of thing. So, yeah. How did you eventually get into Palo? Was, were you approached or were you looking at going into that company or was it more of a, just a natural thing? I mean, yeah. So I was, again, as, as I said, I, when I started looking into cyber, I, I, you know, I had no clue about Palo Alto networks. I was, you know, looking, I was looking at all cyber companies and, you know, starting to read who's doing what in the space. Um, and as I said, with the LinkedIn thing, um, when I came across a role with Palo Alto Networks and came across the company, I went on LinkedIn, typed in, typed it in, and I came across a mutual friend that I hadn't spoken to in a while um, that I saw work there. So I reached out to her, uh, you know, met up for lunch and, you know, said, you know, what's it like? What's, what's it like to be in Palo? And Simon, I remember she actually said to me, she goes, you know, Nick, you know, are you sure you want to leave the Navy? Like, this has nothing to do with what you're doing. It's completely different. And, um, you know, six months later, I, I think I had a job <laughs> uh, through her referral when I told her my reasons for joining. And, you know, thankfully, it's, you know, it's been two and a half years now. It's worked out well. So, um, yeah, that's that's was kind of my journey into Palo. And, yeah, good, uh, long interview process. But, um, you know, I guess they want to make sure um, they're vetting and bringing in the right people, which I wanted to mention, um, you know, a lot of these companies, they're very open to, you know, you don't have to have that, you know, software engineering degree. Uh, you know, they're open to people joining from, external you know companies and industries and in bringing that experience into the company and i think that's that's what's great about we work we are you know very diverse they're very open to different things around that so yeah okay and then in terms of them do they look for certain characteristics i mean in terms of if for example a a person was to try to go into palo what as and as a sort of a person who's really good in terms of retention what kind of qualities would be suitable a suitable profile for an employee within uh, palo yeah, look, I think it's, I think it'd be any organisation. They, you know, they're looking for you know we're not looking for an expert, but I mean I interview people all the time. You know, I, I I like interviewing people and you know getting people to join that are you know first and foremost interested in the space. They're not joining just because they want a job, you know, but they're part of you know part of the mission and want to be part of that. Um, and you know it comes down to those you know those key key things around you know you know being a team player, being open to trying different things, you know, collaboration, resilience, all that sort of stuff, right? So, I think. You know, the soft skills and hard skills that you get, you know, not from your university or your, or your TAFE study, uh, but actually, you know, around who you are as a person. Um, you know, we're very, you know, us as a company, we're very fast paced. It's a, it's a lot happening. So someone that wants to be part of that and, and knows what they're getting themselves into, right? And did you, um, did you also go to TAFE, I believe? Is that correct? Yes and no. So we, we do our, um, our, my trade training through uh, the Navy for my electronics course. It's done in affiliation with TAFE. So we actually do it at the Navy base. Uh, and then we, we do go to TAFE uh, after a few years to do our certificate fours. Um, so it's, a, it's a, I'd say, a hybrid mix, but it's with the TAFE curriculum. How does that differ from your experience at university? I mean, I know people, sometimes people don't enjoy university, but they might be thinking of TAFE, but people may have some either preconceived ideas of TAFE. I mean, what, what was your experience at, at TAFE? I know it was in a bit of a more unique situation. Yeah, so TAFE to me was great because, you know, that the environment, because it was more hands-on. You know, I wanted to, 
I guess I didn't want to be in a lecture hall and, you know, taking notes and doing those sorts of exams, you know, being a trade. Obviously, there was the component of having to learn the theory, but, you know, you got to get your hands dirty, you got to build things, you got to, you know, fix things. So I think from that point of view, it was great. Um, you know, now that I'm a bit older, um, I preferred the lectures and the books and the assignments. Um, but, you know, again, two totally different, you know, business degree versus a electronics trade, um, you know, completely different. And in, in the MBA that I just did, I was around, you know, some senior leaders, um, you know, executives from, you know, companies such as Apple and Google, you know, learning from them. So to be in a room with those people doing assignments with them and seeing how they approach, you know, different challenges and problem solve, to me, that was amazing. But I probably, I probably would have found that boring, you know, 10 years ago when I was doing my trade when I was 19 years old. For sure. And in terms of then your experience in human resources, would someone who would be in TAFE compared to someone who went to uni, that, that wouldn't really matter to you, would it? Or would that would that still be considered a notable factor that has to be considered? Look, some, some roles, um, you know, for whatever reason, you know, at all companies, they, they'll, they'll mandate a university degree, as an example, that they say you, you must have a degree to get a job. Me personally, again, it, it, it comes down to a few factors. You know, you might have a degree that you did, you know, straight out of school and you have not got any specific life experience over the past 10 years when you're applying for a job now, right? So I'd argue that the person with no degree, but the life experience is a better candidate just based on what they've done. So I think it comes down to, um, again, a, a combination of things. So, you know, do your academic study, go and, you know, get involved, do different things, um, you know, and to become that all-rounded person and, to, you know, to be the best person you can be for that role. Mm, okay. And in terms of then your experiences with Raytheon, how did you get into a company like that? Sure. So Raytheon was my actually my first job outside the Navy. So a lot of the systems that we use are, you know, Raytheon, or you may have heard of companies such as Lockheed Martin. Uh, so they, these these defense contractors, they take a lot of ex-military personnel because obviously we know the equipment, we know the ship, we know, we know the people. So that role, um, even though I left the Navy, it was as if I was in the Navy without being in the uniform. So I was still going to sea, I was still working on the base. In fact, my first year at Raytheon, I think I did about six months total away from home, uh, always in and out. So uh, my, wife, you know, my wife said, you know, I thought you left the Navy, right? So it was a very easy transition for me. And personally, it, it was never my goal to stay there. You know, I said, I'm not gonna you know, be here in 10, 15 years. It was, it was that transition where I could leave the Navy and, and ease in, back into civilian life. So yeah, and that, that's how I got involved there. What other things were you factoring in for looking for jobs? Were you always going to go into the cyber or were there other specific role opportunities that you would have liked or? Yeah, so to me, um, the thing that stuck out for me was sales. I, you know, I looked at roles such as customer success and started looking into, you know, what does that actually mean? And, you know, post-sales engineering and pre-sales engineering had a few friends that worked in tech, but my, my main driver was to work in, you know, enterprise software sales, I'd say would be the first thing. And then I started narrowing that down, you know, what kind of software company do I want to work for? What kind of industries are there? You know, there's all these SaaS products, there was obviously cybersecurity. And the more I, I guess, dug deeper into it, that's when, when I guess cyber became the key interest for me. Um, not just from, you know, the selling side, but as I said, just, you know, I, I enjoy to this day talking to customers and, you know, just even having this conversation, talking about cybersecurity, you know, when we got a bit more in the weeds before. Um, I enjoy doing that. And I think that's important, you know, uh, being involved in something that you like and do. There's no point me going to work for a company, you know, selling something especially that I don't like. So, you know, when I talk to customers and clients, it's, you know, not so much about the sell, it's about, you know, helping them and working out the best solution for them, right? 
Definitely. I think it's fascinating that you, you mentioned the idea of sort of you can do marketing with cybersecurity. It's not cybersecurity, like you sort of mentioned earlier in this podcast, is not just a matter of coding and um, IT systems, which does have those components. But it's also people seem to, to assume that that is it and that's the role and that's what you have to be. But that's obviously not seem, doesn't seem to be the case. 100%. And I, I work very closely with, with our marketing team internally, and they're talking cybersecurity all day uh, from, a, from a different viewpoint. You know, they're, it, it's all around, you know, the cyber world, but from a different lens. And I think that's what's important that, you know, you can work for these cybersecurity companies and not, you know, be in the engineering space because there's so much to do and so much to achieve in, in, in that. And it's, and, it's a, and it's an exciting place to be. Do you have to sort of simplify? The, do you find that generally the topic of cybersecurity is complex by nature and then you sort of have to distill that into a simplified version for your customers or are the concepts that you go are actually a bit more simple than we expect it to be and all you're doing is relaying that information on to to customers you know our customers you know especially when we're who we're dealing with you know obviously massive massive organizations and also the personas that we speak to you know these guys have 20, 30 years experience in, in IT, you know, chief technology officers, CISOs, et cetera. So, you know, they, they understand the space. And I think what I like doing is working with them on the best solution, you know, so they, they'll give us a problem that they've got internally. They want to, you know, get from here to there or, you know, in this period or whatever it may be. Right. So I think, you know, they, they know what they're doing. It's about us helping them, you know, find the right solution and how we can make it fit well within, within that space. Um, I think when it comes to, you know, outside of the cyber world, outside of the IT world, when you're talking to, you know, non, I guess, tech and IT people, you know, people are, you know, people are so surprised about what cybersecurity is. Everyone thinks it's, you know, it's a password or, you know, two-factor authentication. There's so much more behind it. Um, and, you know, when I tell people I work in cyber, it's like, oh, cyber, like, what, what's that? And like, you're actually practicing cyber principles on a daily basis when you are logging into things and securing things and asking you to back this up and do all that sort of stuff at a basic level, right? But yeah, at that, at that level, when we're dealing with our customers, it's, um, it's about their roadmap and their journey. And, you know, they see the relevance of, as I said, you know, it's the world's becoming more complex. Their organization's becoming more, you know, fragmented where everyone's working and all that sort of stuff. So what used to work, what used to be the norm, um, is, is now not, is, that's not the case, right? So, you know, they have to make a change. Do you ever have a, either a customer in business or a personal position you were going for that sort of didn't want, get, sort of gave you a bit of a hard time or sort of in the sense that rejected your services? And then how did you bounce back from something like that? Because that's always can be a bit demoralizing. I think the first and foremost, you know, one of the principles that I live by is, you know, being honest. You know, there's no point lying. Um, so yeah, hundred percent. I've you know spoken to customers. You know, they've said you know I don't need that, or why are you trying to, why are you telling me that, or that's not what I want to hear, or you know you guys are too expensive, whatever whatever it may be, right? And, and I think you know you you can't please everyone would be, would be my uh, my answer to that. And, you know, if I flip that around the other side, you know, I've had customers that have said you know I really want this, this, and that, and I'm, you know I've I've said to be honest, I don't think that's right for you. Um, and I actually had a customer that, um, you know, they ended up leaving that organization and called me back a year later and said, you might not remember me, but you actually told me not to buy it, um, you know, this particular solution. But um, I think I'm in the organization now that I think we're ready and said, yep, yeah, sounds, you know, after, you know, long story short, we're, we're, it's the right thing for you. And, you know, so I think being honest, um, you know, it, it, that gets you not just with work, anywhere in life, right? So mm, definitely. I mean, I, I can agree with that because, I mean, people seem to be a bit of afraid of reject, rejection in the first place, so they may not want to try anything new, and then that can lead to just further feeling of um, unfulfillment. So, you know, you have to be able to, I guess, learn to, I, I mean, I think sort of embrace 
those kind of things and learn that that is something that you can't control all the time and is that sort of a take that you would you would go down 100 percent. you know you can't you can't you can't please everyone and you know maybe if i rang you know one of those people back another day it would have been a completely you know i don't know what was happening in their personal lives or at work or you know whatever the reason may be but i think you know if you do you know, let's call it rejection or you know pushback whatever it may be i think it's important to always think about you know how you approach the situation what could you have done better was there a better way of doing that um because you know maybe maybe you were in the wrong right so as long as you know even when we um you know with my team whenever we win uh, you know a deal to you know to work with a client or a customer i'll say that's great that you won but you know go and review you know what did you do differently from last deal what 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 made it what made the difference this time why why were you successful and if you can take one piece of learning from every you know opportunity that you have i think that you know that turns into a better person right I see. No, I, I agree. You're definitely right. I mean, and you talk about this idea of um, reevaluating and stuff, and, and that sort of comes onto the next question is what, how do you think that industry, your industry will be changing over, over time in the course of the next five to 10 plus years kind of thing? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it's changing every day. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, we're, you know, we're in that digital economy. It's, it's crazy. It's my son who's 18 months plays with an iPad, right? So I think that it's, it's going to get more technical. It's going to be, there's going to be more threats. There's going to be more, I guess, changes and disruption in the technology space. So I think where we are working, it's, it's very relevant and it's only become more important that we remain on top of essentially our enemies, our bad guys, right? Cause just like we're out there trying to, you know, do the right thing and automate things and, you know, make things easier on our end that, you know, our you know, adversaries are trying to are doing the, op- they're, they're using automation. They're using computers against us to try and, to break what we're trying to achieve, right? So there could be government on government. It could be someone in their in their backyard trying to do it, you know, trying to hack into something for fun, as an example, right? There's so many different reasons why people are, you know, trying to do the wrong thing, right? So I think that we can't be complacent. As I said before, COVID exposed a lot of things that we were potentially overlooked. That has helped um, essentially make us change, right? For the for the better. Do you think that your specific industry is going to? grow exponentially or at a slow rate or i think it's going to grow extremely fast you know it it is growing fast as i said you know everyone's everyone's working from home everyone's working remotely you know a lot of companies are actually mandating that you know you don't even have to come back into the office right so i think i think the fact that you know there's more people you know getting digitally connected more than ever um, again with all these devices and all that sort of you know iot devices etc so i just i think that as we become you know more reliant on software and you know the, the digital world um, that well, whilst it is beneficial to us to, you know, like I said, to automate things and make life easy, that also brings its own challenges from, you know, what the other side's trying to do to disrupt that. Okay. Okay. And what kind of challenges more specifically would they kind of experience? You know, at the most basic level, you know, people don't even carry a wallet around anymore, right? So before everyone had their, you know, their credit card, their, their driver's license and their identity in their pockets that, you know, they physically show. Now people carry around their phones, right and they've got all that stored digitally so you know it's, it's things like this that you know the risk of you know ad- identity theft and what people can do with that is going to become more prevalent as more people move to that space and as you have people that may not be as technically it savvy you know that may not be signing in signing out doing the basics that you know you and i might do you know that that level of risk and exposure that you know starts to occur at a, at a, at a broader level around the world um is, is only going to grow as that as we have that shift and that transition Okay, fair, fair enough. And in terms of then your, if you were to give someone um, a little roadmap on, on how that they could best 
use their time now, whether they're sort of a young adults, to get into the industry that you're that you're sort of working in? Is there any sort of uh, recommendations or uh, options that they could take um, via just the main mainstream? Go to uni, get a job, and work your way up. Yeah. So what I what I always recommend is I'm a big advocate for LinkedIn. <laughs> um, you'd be surprised at who you know. And also, even if you don't know someone and you reach out, you know, might, they might not write back to you straight away or they might not ever do, but someone will. You know, so network, network, network. Go and meet people. Go and ask the question. As you said, if you just you know, go to uni and then apply for a job, you don't, you know, you're, you're almost taking a gamble on yourself, right? You don't know where you're going to work or what you're going to do. You know, especially the cyber industry, it's not actually that big. Like people, you'd be surprised how many people know each other and, you know, even with us, we know everyone where they move, where they go. So, um, you know, I think the biggest part is getting to know people um, not being afraid to go and to go and ask the questions, and um, you know, if you want to work in that industry, these people are going to be your peers or your competitors or whatever it may be, uh, you know. But in a, in a healthy way, I think it's good just to meet as many people and you know ask questions if you don't know and, and find a mentor. <laughs> Definitely, I mean, the amount of times where I've been somewhere out way outside of home and you know even a different country, and they go, oh, do you know this person? I go, yeah, and then you, everyone always says small world, and I think that that really does apply to the career space as well. Like you're saying, you know, you go search on LinkedIn, search for a, sort of an industry or a company, and then you find that a friend of your like your friend's mother's friends, for example, might might have someone, and you can go, hey, we have something in common, and go from there. So no, that's definitely something some, definitely something that seems to be a bit underrated, especially within this day and age where people need to really focus on trying to connect and make a step and establish connections with people rather than just going on a gamble like you said and assuming that you just apply for a job and see what how it goes kind of thing 100 percent. i'm a big believer you know i did 10 years in the navy you know i've got no no um you know thoughts of leaving where i am at the moment so you know it's you know you want to be you don't want to be chopping and changing every every year you know you've got to meet new people you've got to learn the technology you've got to onboard and i think you know to being i'm a true expert or you know to understand what you're actually doing you need to, you need to spend some time and you know you, you need to put that effort in so you don't want to go somewhere because it looks good on paper and then you find out it's the worst decision you've ever made. So it's an investment in yourself above and foremost anything else. So, you know, why wouldn't you take the time in that? Mm. Is there any other tips now, sort of wrap it all up, is there any other tips that you would give to someone looking and not knowing exactly what they wanted to do? Not, not like they were, They're like interested in security, they're interested in the cyber world, but they have no clue where to start, how they would begin. I mean... Any any sort of um, final sort of tips or yeah look I, I mean apart from I mentioned it before the networking and the LinkedIn um, as I said a lot of a lot of um, companies they've got you know a lot of free tr- you know training programs or you know little short courses that you can do and um, you'd be surprised that you got ones that are more engineering focused or you got you know wh- whatever it may be so my my advice would be go and do it and see if you actually enjoy it see if you actually like um, you know studying or learning or reading about what you you know perceive to be the job of your future, right? So you know that that doesn't help. And apart from gaining knowledge, I mean, if it is your preferred you know um, sub you know your career pathway, um, you're also gonna you know see if you actually really like it, right? You might not understand it at the start, uh, but you're gonna see. So you know, as I said, it was it's a multitude of things. So you know, go to your networking events, go to meet with people that you haven't spoken to, go find a mentor, and go do these sorts of courses. And Again, when you go for that role and, you, you know, they say to you, you know, why are you the right person for the job outside of your university and your work experience? Well, I've done X, Y, Z. That's helped me get to this point and make that decision. Yeah, definitely. I also want to piggyback on that comment, which is also a matter of if you are someone who wants to look at a career and not tell you where and they sort of 
find a way and they, they find something they don't mind, they like, and they sort of want to go into it. That's not the be-all and end-all if it doesn't even go exactly the way it plans, because you might end up finding that you're doing something else on the way to this goal and find, oh, I actually look quite like this too, and then suddenly you're off in a whole new area. So always try to also, I guess, embrace other little experiences because it's not set in stone when you say oh i want to do this for my work and this is my future you know it's not often that you get this is my dream job and this is what i will achieve because sometimes the better dreams come when you don't least expect them i would say yeah and even within that you know i I know you know many people within you know my company that have started in one role um they love cyber they love the company didn't like their role and they've they've transitioned to another role within the company and they're happy so, you know, once you're in there, you can actually see what actually works for you and what you actually enjoy, and you can actually make some of those changes as well. Mm, definitely. Well, thank you. Wow, this has been a really interesting conversation. Thank you so much for coming on and speaking with us today. No, thanks for having me, Lachlan. Really appreciate it. This has been another KBI Media Production.